you have your Bible, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. Uh, For a few weeks now, we've been considering what the Bible says about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And tonight we arrive at the fourth way that I want to talk about how the Bible teaches us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer. In our last study, we saw that the believer is taught by the Holy Spirit when the believer takes up and puts the word of God into their heart, into their mind, works it into their life and begins to live by faith and in obedience to God's word. The the Holy Spirit takes that word and instructs us and encourages us and strengthens us. And yes, even as I prayed, corrects our thinking. The work of the Holy Spirit that we come to now is closely related to this and very, very connected with that previous truth, which we saw last week. Tonight, I want to show you how the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit in the life of the believer. So let's look at Galatians 5 and verses 22 and 23, where we see this work of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you've never thought about this. This is a very familiar passage, but maybe you've never thought about this being a work of the Holy Spirit at work in the people of God. Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So think about this. We're not going to necessarily touch on the, the, the different details of the fruit of the Spirit, but we are going to think about this fact that the Holy Spirit grows the fruit of the Spirit in the believer. Think about it this way. What kind of fruit does an apple tree produce? It produces apples, right? What kind of fruit does a pear tree produce? It produces pears. Tough questions, right? I know difficult. I I only know the simple questions. Well, how about this one? What kind of fruit does the Spirit of God produce in God's people? Spiritual fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is what the Spirit produces in God's people. I'm told that my grandfather, um, who had a farm uh, down uh, east of Columbus, uh, when I was a youngster and we would go and visit, and uh, he, was a, he was a worker, a hard worker. In fact, he, he pastored a church part-time, which is impossible to do. It's impossible to be a part-time pastor. He worked full-time at Owens Corning Fiberglass, and he had a 150-acre farm, which some people would call a hobby farm, but he worked at it like it was, there was no hobby at all. But he was gifted in lots of ways. I'm told that he would graft branches from apple trees into other apple trees. So he would take certain different kinds of apples and graft them into another apple tree. So he could get multiple kinds of apples from one tree but he was still getting apples from the apple tree. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is about producing spiritual fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in believers. In the life of a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit wants to produce fruit. He wants to see the, the fruit of the Spirit growing in us and flourishing in us. 
Now, could you produce the fruit of the Spirit? Think about this. Don't necessarily want you to answer me, but I want you to think about this. Could you produce the fruit of the Spirit before you came to faith in Christ? You could not. Why? Because you didn't have the Holy Spirit living in you. You might have heard the Word of God proclaimed. You might have heard preaching. You might have had someone witness to you. You may have been raised in a Christian family and heard the gospel. But you couldn't produce the fruit of the Spirit because you didn't have the Spirit. There might have been good deeds on your part. You might have done something to do good, as, as the world says, let's do some good. <laughs> let's change the world by doing good, the world says. But, and you might have done some good things as the world judges in your life before you came to Christ. But what the Spirit produces is not good deeds, let me explain what I mean here, because you might be thinking, now, wait a minute, aren't we supposed to be doing good works? And yes, we are. But what the Spirit is about producing is in us is not just simply producing good deeds. The Holy Spirit produces change. The Holy Spirit moves in and takes up residence in the life of the believer. And what happens is, is a change occurs, change follows God accepts us as we are. Our brother here said earlier, God didn't expect me to clean up my act before I came to faith in Christ, right? God, God accepts us as we are, but he doesn't accept us staying that way. The Holy Spirit doesn't want us to stay unchanged. What happens when the Holy Spirit moves in and takes up residence is that the Holy Spirit begins to produce life change, which results in good works because God is working in you because you're saved you don't produce you don't produce your own good works to a, to a gain God's approval to gain acceptance from God you can't change that God accepts you as you are and then he moves in and begins to produce in you fruit which results in good works which is also known as obedience to God's word but not without the Spirit. Not without the Spirit. Just back up a few verses in Galatians 5, and you'll see the contrast. Look at Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh, this is without the Spirit. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If your life is devoted to those kinds of things, you don't have the Holy Spirit working in you. And you cannot inherit the kingdom of God without God, the Spirit, living in you. Because God moves in and takes up residence in His children. This is what is to be expected of an unbeliever, what we just read. 
This is to be expected of an unbeliever who does not have the Holy Spirit, who does not have the Holy Spirit bringing spiritual fruit in them and growing it in them. Ephesians 2 also points to this. Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 3. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. And you were, and this is a very clear indicator as to why you can do good works in the eyes of the world and not produce spiritual fruit. This is not spiritual fruit. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. What can a dead man do is always what I think of when I come to that passage. A a dead man can't do anything. You You can't honor God with your life without the Holy Spirit giving you new life. So Ephesians 2 verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, the spirit, that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, and that's powerful, important, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And you, uh, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you could look at that passage and you could say, there but by the grace of God go I. That could still be you and me if it wasn't for God's grace. So how does an unbeliever who is dead in their trespasses and sins live? Like a sinner? (laughs) A sinner who can't do anything else? Like a man who is lost and without help and hope? That's the same thing we saw back in Galatians 5 and verses 19 through 21. But you also know this. There's good news, right? There's good news. So I can't read Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3 without also reading verses 4 and 5. Are you still there? (laughs) Ephesians 2 and we read verses 1 through 3. Look at verses 4 and 5. But God... Maybe my two favorite words in the Bible, but God, whenever you see those. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were performing good works. No, it doesn't say that, doesn't it? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, He, because of his grace, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. There's the good news. There's the gospel. And what happens when God makes you alive together with Christ? He gives you his indwelling presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit in you, working in you. Taking the Word of God that you're taking in. You're taking in the Word of God, right? You're reading the Bible, right? You listen to sermons, right? And you say, yes, I need to hear this. I need to hear the truth of God's Word. I'm, I'm telling you, you need this. I'm, you need this. And you need to agree with God that you need His Word in you. And when you get the Word in, the Holy Spirit doesn't simply move in and rearrange the furniture in your life. 
He gets rid of the furniture. He does a total make. You ever see those shows where they do a total makeover and they gut the place? And we saw um, one of our sons is getting married in November and his future in-laws have a house that he and his bride are going to live in and rent from her parents. And yet they had renters who trashed the place before uh, they left. And uh, we saw it recently, and they had to gut it down to the studs to fix it properly. That's kind of what the Holy Spirit does, you know, only better. He tears it down to the foundation and builds a new structure. The Holy Spirit moves in and takes up residence and does a total transformation, but continues to work with the Word. After Jesus saves us, we can now... Do good works that honor God. And we're not, again, we're not doing those good works to gain God's approval. We already have it in Christ. But with the Holy Spirit's help, the Holy Spirit moves in and does a total remake. (laughs) Remakes us and begins to work in us to grow spiritual fruit. So does this mean that we no longer sin? Eh... I wish it did. It doesn't. And we still sin. We still deal with temptation. Does it mean we're not tempted? No, we are still tempted. After all, we've been made new, you might say. But wait, I've been made new. How come I still am tempted? How come I still have to fight sin? And yes, it is true that you're made new in Christ. Passages like 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We can praise God for that. And that's all very good news, but we still deal with temptation, don't we? It's one of the reasons we need the Holy Spirit. It's one of the reasons we can rejoice that we have the Holy Spirit, because we still sin. We are still tempted to sin. We're still fighting temptation and sin. We still live in earthly flesh. And with it come sinful desires. So there's a tension going on in our lives, isn't there? Do you get that? I feel the tension myself. Do you feel the tension in your life between what the Holy Spirit wants of you and what you want in the flesh? Uh, Go with me to Romans chapter 7 for a moment. Romans chapter 7 and verse 14. The Apostle Paul gives an example from his own life which he writes of beginning in Romans 7 and verse 14. This is a powerful example of that tension. Romans 7 and verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, that is, uh, the law is from God. I mean, how, how do we know what God wants of us? We know We know because He gives us His Word and we can say the law. And then Paul says, But I am of the flesh, sold under sin. So he's saying, I'm I'm of the flesh, I'm unspiritual. The law is spiritual, I'm unspiritual. And it gets worse. He says, I'm a slave to sin. I'm sold under sin. There in verse 14, I'm a slave to sin. That's the plight of all of us without Jesus Christ. We're doomed to this without Christ. 
Now look at the beginning of verse 15 where Paul shows us his struggle with the old nature, with the flesh. And if this sounds familiar as I read this, it's because this describes you and me. This is us. Verse 15, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Can you hear the tension there in Paul's experience? Verse 21, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. That should be true of believers because the Holy Spirit resides there and helps us delight in the truth, the law of God in my inner being. Verse 23, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, he says in verse 24, who will deliver me from this body of death? Verse 25, we could have put a but God right here. (laughs) Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There's the tension that we all experience. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, working in you to grow the fruit of the Spirit And yet you also have the tension of the flesh that has its own desires. And that's the struggle of every believer in Jesus. And what Paul expresses here makes clear that he knew that as a follower of Jesus, here's what he knew he had. He had the Holy Spirit's help. And that's that's hopeful for us, isn't it? When we know we have the Holy Spirit and we have the Holy Spirit's help, there's hope. He knew he had the Holy Spirit that produces the fruit of the Spirit. Now that's how he was able to have not only the desire to change, but also this, the ability that was not of himself. I mean, you you saw the tension. You heard it here. Uh, Left to his own devices, he's not able to honor God. But with the Holy Spirit's help, he's able to do battle against the flesh. And learn to say no to sin. We still fight the sin nature, don't we? But without the Holy Spirit producing fruit, any change that we might come up with on our own does not give honor to God. It just points to us. And it's wonderful to have the help of the Holy Spirit. And it's wonderful when we're people who give the glory to God, realizing like Paul did, 
It's not in us, in ourselves, to do what honors God. But the Holy Spirit helps us obey. And when we obey, we can give glory to God for that. And we ought to. There's hope for us because of the Spirit. We heard it earlier in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, uh, when it said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And yes, we... We will still face the flesh and deal with temptation this side of heaven. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is what God wants to see growing in our lives. And uh, we have the Holy Spirit to help us praise God from whom all blessings flow like we sang this morning. Praise God for the indwelling presence of the Spirit. So there is hope. It is possible to honor God with our lives. It is possible to be victorious against the flesh that we deal with. And so as we look back over our life with Christ, we should see evidence that we're resisting, that we're, uh, that we're resisting and quenching the Spirit less and less. Maybe early on we struggle with this, but as we grow in Christ, as the Spirit works in us with the word we ought to be able to see evidence that we're we're quenching the spirit less we're resisting the spirit's work less and less now we may not see explosive growth overnight but we should be able to see growth in the fruit of the spirit in our lives such as what we see here in galatians 5 go back to verses 22 and 23 where we see this fruit of the spirit listed for us here When you look at your life, do you see these things growing? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want you to note something as you look at that list there in Galatians 5. Uh, When we speak of the fruit of the Spirit, we aren't talking about these as if it's possible to have one and not the other. Be careful that you say, well, that's just not me. I'm not a joyful person. Or I just can't be kind. I just can't be gentle. Or I just, I'm never going to have self-control. Listen, if the Holy Spirit is working in you, you should see a measure of these growing in your life as you take steps to obey God's Word. The Holy Spirit is all about growing this fruit, not not a little bit of that and a more of that one and less of this one. No, the Holy Spirit's about growing this fruit in you. We don't pick and choose what we're going to grow in, and there aren't many fruits of the Spirit but one fruit, and this is it. If we're missing any one of these, that should be a red flag for us, that, that we're, not, we're not being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's work. So verses 22 and 23 encompass what God desires to see in in his uh, growing and maturing children in Christ. And when this fruit of the Spirit shows and grows, it ought to be an encouragement to you that you have the Holy Spirit working in you. Believers who are growing, believers who are filled by the Spirit, there ought to be evidence of this fruit growing in us. Uh, look at Galatians 5, verses 24 through 26, and we'll see 
we'll see there what it looks like to have these, uh, this fruit of the Spirit growing in us. Look at Galatians 5, verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus... And this points to something you cannot do in your flesh. You need the Holy Spirit's help for this. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You could not do this before faith in Christ, before the Holy Spirit took up residence in you. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Just ideas here. This is, you, you look at this and you see in verses 24 through 26 what it looks like for a believer who is, who is growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's taken up residence in you and is taking the Word and using it in your heart and mind and bringing conviction when you sin, bringing encouragement when you need encouragement, bringing strength when you need strength because you're resting in Him. You're just looking at those verses there. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You cannot do that in your own strength. You need the Holy Spirit's help for that. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants you to be in step with Him wants you to be in step with His Word. And may this be our heart's desire, and may our lives show the evidence that the Holy Spirit is producing the fruit of the Spirit in each of us. And may it be evident to the watching world that the Holy Spirit is changing us day by day. And may we each live by the Spirit, as we just saw here, and keep in step with the Spirit. You do that by making yourself a student of the Word. Get into the Word. Get the Word into you. Read God's Word. Apply God's Word to your daily living. God's Word is so rich and powerful to help you. And the Holy Spirit loves to take the Word and remind you of its truth as you need help, as you need strength, as you need encouragement, as you need help crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires as you need help living by the Spirit, as you need help keeping in step with the Spirit. What a blessing is ours to have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I'm so thankful that God is gracious to give us Himself, to live in us and be with us wherever we are. Yes, praise God from whom all blessings flow.